Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. When it comes to wealth in this country, one thing's clear. Your elected officials in Congress definitely have it. The estimated cumulative wealth of all current members of Congress as of this February was at least $2.43 billion. That's billion with a B. And an analysis by Roll Call found the median net worth of all members of Congress was $511,000. That's five times what the average American household has. And half of that net worth is in the hands of just 12 members of Congress. And as we've been hearing from you, at least some wealth is usually necessary to run for any office. Hi, this is David Vanden from Dallas, Texas. Uh, Although I have worked on political campaigns in the past and uh, have been a community organizer, there is no way I could uh, financially afford to take off from work to undertake such an endeavor, uh, especially uh, with having student loan debt. My name is Lauren Brock. I am running for state legislature of Oklahoma. I know for me and my husband, it's been difficult for me to run because I'm disabled and do not currently have a job. And I know if my husband did not have a job to take care of us, there's no way I would be able to run for office. But what are the consequences of that? And what does it mean for how we deal with the wealth inequalities that we've been talking about all this week? Alex Hurdle Fernandez has been studying the relationship between wealth and politics, and he's a professor of public affairs at Columbia University, and he joins me now. I'm so glad to be here. Alex, so the big question is, I guess we'll start off, can poor people run for office in the United States? That's a great question, and it really gets to the heart of the issue of whether or not the inequalities of wealth and income that we have in our society seep into our political system and reinforce themselves. I think there are big obstacles we know from political science research to running for office, and even more so if you are a low-income person. Not only is there the cost of the campaign itself, having to pay for campaign staff and advertising, which can be very expensive in some seats, but there's also the cost of having to forego your job. Campaigning and serving in office is a full-time job. And if you have to give up your your job, that's lost income. That's, that's money that you can't be getting from other sources. So what impact does that have? Because we're in a moment, we've been talking about wealth and inequality all week on the show. Uh, we're hearing from Americans all over the country who are struggling to make ends meet, who are struggling to pay rent, who have little to zero wealth. What impact does it have when our Congress is so much wealthier than the average everyday American? Increasing research in political science points out that who you are in in Congress makes a big difference in the sort of bills that you vote for and even propose. And it turns out that members of Congress that are wealthier, that come from white-collar backgrounds, who have never worked a, a manual job in their lives, are less likely to support the sort of redistributive economic policies like a higher minimum wage, more progressive taxes, or more generous social benefits like unemployment insurance that working-class Americans might need. So that suggests that we're in a bit of a vicious cycle. The less representative that Congress is of working-class America, the less likely it is to pursue policies that would help working-class Americans. I'm speaking with Alex Hurdle fernandez professor of public affairs at Columbia University, and we're talking about wealth and politics in America. Now, we recently, a couple, i say about a month ago, there was an article in uh, about Stacey Abrams, who's running for office, and she said, as a black woman, she said, you know, I'm $200,000 in debt. That should not prevent me from running for office. What are your thoughts on that? 
That's a great question. And I think it's worth pulling out and thinking about how politics runs in in other countries. And we make it uniquely difficult in some ways to run for office, given the cost of campaigning and the fact that you have to give up your job. There was a great investigative piece a few weeks ago in The Intercept that pointed out how the Democrats' main House campaign committee uh, was picking candidates to back uh, in the upcoming 2018 cycle by asking them to go through their phone book and point out exactly who would help them raise the first $150,000 if they had to right then on the spot. Uh, And it's understandable why a party committee might want to pick candidates who would be embedded in these networks that have a lot of potential donors. But it also means you're screening out a lot of candidates that don't have those connections. And the question is, as a society, do we want to create a money primary or a money obstacle that prevents certain classes of people from being even eligible to run for office? So what are some solutions going forward. What about, you know, because as you mentioned, there is this interest now in people running for office. I think we're seeing this resurgence of Americans who are saying, you know, I'm not happy with the way things are going, regardless of what side of the political spectrum they're on, wanting to get involved. But as we know, there's also this gigantic inequality gap in America. So what are the solutions, you think? The solutions to getting a more representative Congress and state legislatures and city councils is, one, to have the interest and enthusiasm from candidates, but two, over the longer term, I think we need reforms that lower these obstacles to running for office. Those could be things like political scholarships. You know, you could imagine either private donors or even the government creating scholarships for low-income folks to start their campaigns. And then finally, we need civic organizations that can seek out these folks in the first place. One of the main reasons why many individuals don't think about running for office is nobody asks them. And it used to be historically that we had strong private sector labor unions that encouraged the formation of grassroots leaders in local communities and supported them in their electoral campaigns. And I think the decline of the labor movement is one important reason why we've seen a decline in working class candidates. So anything that could revive the labor movement uh, or support other forms of worker organization could help working class folks get into government. Alex Hurdle-Fernandez is a professor of public affairs at Columbia University. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me on.